Well, guess what? They had a 30% lower risk of death than women under 193. Mm. Why? Well, maybe because cholesterol is involved in every cell of the body. Maybe because it makes vitamin D. Maybe because your, your cortisol, your testosterone, your estrogen, your progesterone are all made from vitamin D, or all made from cholesterol. Maybe because you need cholesterol for a healthy brain. Maybe because cholesterol helps you digest fats. Right? It's, it's not this thing in your body. Again, it's just the patch. Mm -hmm. The problem isn't the patch. The problem is the inflammation behind it. Hello and welcome to The Journey, your radio show, hosted by Neville D'Angelo, author of A Soundbite Life and Flight of the Fused Monkeys, a PRG Emerging Technologies Forum keynote speaker and founder of Rio Sports. I am Joseph Ellison. Enjoy. I am Neville, and I am once again delighted to have as our guest, Dr. Jeff Crippen, founder of the Crippen Wellness Center. This is the second episode of our three-part series, Your Body is Smart. Uh, today we will be looking at your body's approach to hypertension and cholesterol. There is an Arabian proverb that goes like this, He who has health has hope, and he who has hope has everything. I'd say that goes full bore for all persons. Your health, your mission, and your relationships, that's pretty much everything, isn't it? That's why we are here. So swipe on over to The Journey. You can find The Journey's platform on thejourney.riosports.com. The Journey is one word, thejourney.riosports.com ryosports.com go there and click on your health and stay healthy along the journey we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky questions and we play a few games and track the remarkable characters of three classic books a soundbite life Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again, all of which can be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Dr. Crippen, let's start with hypertension. It is reportedly a huge problem. What can we do about it? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question um, because it is increasingly common. Um, and basically hypertension, most people are familiar, but it's basically high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Right, and the most common treatment for it is medication to lower your blood pressure. Um, and typically that takes the form of different classes of drugs, uh, but have to do with regulating heart rate, regulating the size of the blood vessels, or regulating how much fluid you hold on to in your body. Mm -hmm. But basically they're medications to try to lower the blood pressure. Mm -hmm. But here's the question I start with. Mm -hmm. Why is the blood pressure high in the first place? Why? Tell us. Well, I wish there was one answer because it would make my job a lot easier and make it a lot easier for your, for your listeners. Mm -hmm. But the truth is there's a myriad of reasons why the blood pressure can be high. Mm -hmm. But the question they have to ask is why is the blood pressure high? And let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. So it's generally thought high blood pressure is bad, especially if it's over a certain number, right? Increases your risk for heart disease and stroke. Mm -hmm. But did you know the body has the ability to raise the blood pressure? Mm -hmm. Tell me. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Why would your body raise the blood pressure 
Like that's the question to ask because you either look at this, either look at this, you either look at the body mm. as something that's smart and mm. does everything for a reason, mm. or it's something that's dumb and we need to take a drug to treat it, <laughs> right? Right, right. So those mm. are two basic sort of worldviews. Um, I very much come from the body is smart, so let's look at understanding why it's trying to do that. So the question I would ask is, why would your body want to raise your blood pressure? I'd love the answer to that. Great. Yeah. So let's start by looking at what organ can raise your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And the answer to that is your kidney. Mm. So why would your kidney raise your blood pressure? Because what's the kidney's job? To filter the fluid, mm -hmm. to get the toxins out, and keep mm -hmm. the good stuff in your body. Mm -hmm. So if the kidney's not getting enough blood flow, it's not able to filter the toxins. Mm -hmm. And that's problematic. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So the kidneys basically says, hey, let's get some more blood flow down there. We need to raise it up. Mm. Okay? Mm. Now the question becomes, so okay, so we understand why, what organ raises the blood pressure, where that comes from. But the question is, so why? Because it needs blood flow. But why is the blood, so then we go one question further back. Mm. So why is the blood flow to the kidney compromised in the first place? Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get into a different and that's where we get into sort of a variety of explanations, mm -hmm. a variety of different reasons. Because mm -hmm. one of the, one of the like false truths, I would say, of, of medicine is that one effect always has the same cause, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it's like, okay, your blood pressure is high. Well, then it must be X. Well, it, it could be, but stress can raise your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Being in chronic pain can mm -hmm. raise your blood pressure. Having to go to the bathroom can raise your blood pressure, <laughs> right? And they actually talk about this because if you ever have your blood pressure taken at the hospital and you, or, or at the doctor's office and you urgently have to go to the bathroom, mm -hmm. it can raise your blood pressure 10 points. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just never go off one blood pressure reading. So the point is you have to go back why. Somebody who's on a roller coaster could raise your blood pressure. Working out can raise your blood pressure mm -hmm. right at the time that happens. So the question you have to ask is why is the body trying to raise your blood pressure? Mm -hmm. Often it's one of two things. Often it's you got to pump harder because the pipes are clogged in some way mm -hmm. or the body's under stress mm -hmm. and you got to figure out what kind of stress that is. Okay. Now I noticed that you went straight for the kidney. Obviously when we think of blood pressure, we think of the heart yep. because that's the pump uh, of, of the blood. Uh, uh, why? Uh, so you said any trigger, anything that triggers your pressure, is it going to affect your kidney or are you saying... Good. T tell me about it. Good, good question. So there's a hormone called mm. angiotensin, and this is about as technical as we'll get on the podcast, but there's a hormone released by the kidney that has an effect in the body of raising your blood pressure. Gotcha. And that's in fact, right. certain drugs, they're called angiotensin inhibitors, that's one of their mechanisms of action is, is they, they stop, stop. Mm. the kidney from making that hormone. So that's not to say every high blood pressure case is only a kidney issue, mm -hmm. because it certainly involves the heart, it mm -hmm. certainly involves the arteries mm -hmm. and the veins, the circulatory mm -hmm. organs, and it involves the nervous system, because mm -hmm. the nervous system can regulate the size of the blood vessels as well. Mm -hmm. So um, there's many parts that are part of that, but specifically the hormone, the body's main hormone to raise the blood pressure comes from the kidney. Mm -hmm. So if a person, before a person faces the problem of high blood pressure, hypertension, how we want to look at assuming the body is smart and it's regulating you properly. Yeah. How do you keep that going? Is there? A, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's a great question. So th the question I would always ask someone is when did it change? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, because every, one, of my, one of my rules for taking care of someone is every effect has a cause. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have high blood pressure one day and you have high blood pressure the next day, what happened? Mm -hmm. Right, because you gotta find out what changed to understand what that is. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about some general recommendations, um, 
you know, certainly exercise is mm-hmm. phenomenally important. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about every every pound of fat that you gain adds about one to seven miles of blood blood vessels in your body, and basically you have more more miles of blood vessels. Your heart's gonna have to pump a little harder. <laughs> okay. You know, but right. but more than that, I'll give you one that'll probably surprise most people, and maybe even you, is actually um, they know salt can raise your blood pressure, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But there's actually sea salt has been tr- proven to have a healthy effect on the body. How is that? Yeah, right. so when you when you get refined salt from mm-hmm. the store, most of it, it's basically just sodium and chloride. Mm-hmm. So uh, sometimes they add a little bit of iodine to it, or most of the times they do, but that's it. When you get sea salt, there can be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 different minerals in the body. Mm-hmm. And the way that works is they all work in concert. And the research shows that mm-hmm. actually eating one teaspoon or two teaspoons a day of sea salt does not raise your blood pressure. In mm-hmm. fact, it can help regulate it. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because your body needs sodium and it needs chloride, but it also needs calcium and magnesium and manganese and the 60 or 70 other minerals that are in there. Mm-hmm. And they regulate circulation of the body. They regulate, your heart is enti- pretty much entirely regulated by minerals. Mm-hmm. So heart rate, rhythm, the strength of contraction, minerals play a tremendous role in that. And your, and your nervous system does too. Mm-hmm. So if and most people aren't getting the minerals they need. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, about over 50% of the people are deficient in a mineral called magnesium, mm-hmm. right? Because we're not eating it in our diet. So anyway, by, ha- by consuming sea salt, you get the minerals you need. And then once the body has the minerals it needs, it can help regulate things better itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll be right back. Let me share with you two more proverbs worth heeding. The first is an Irish proverb. A good laugh and a long sleep are the best cures in the doctor's book. Isn't that interesting? A good laugh and a long sleep are the best cures in the doctor's book. Here's another. This is a a Danish proverb. Fresh air impoverishes the doctor. I think that one is funny and poignant, but it wouldn't be cute in this moment if I didn't know that our guest, Dr. Crippen, truly believes the body is smart and that unpolluted air is a powerful inhalant. I'm back with Dr. Crippen. Dr. Crippen, let's talk cholesterol. Let's talk about it. Yes. What is it? And we hear about bad cholesterol, good cholesterol. What should we be doing to make sure that we keep healthy throughout? That's an excellent question. So mm-hmm. let's, there's a couple great questions or great points you brought up in there. And let's sort of take those one by one. Right. So the first one is you mentioned good cholesterol mm-hmm. and bad cholesterol. Mm-hmm. And that terminology comes from blood work. Mm-hmm. So the bad cholesterol is LDL, mm-hmm. is what it typically will say on your blood work, and that's what your doctor will describe as bad cholesterol. And then there's another 
line on your blood work that says HDL, mm -hmm. which, which they'll say is your good cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And they say the HDL is a good cholesterol because it carries cholesterol from your tissues back to your liver and LDL is bad cholesterol because it carries it from the liver to the tissues. Mm -hmm. But something most people don't realize is HDL and LDL are not cholesterol. Mm -hmm. they're, they're actually proteins that give cholesterol a ride. So you can think of HDL and LDL as the taxis <laughs> that cholesterol rides in. Right. But actually, none, neither of those are cholesterol. So we have to. So you also check them. What is cholesterol? Mm -hmm. So you know, cholesterol is essential to life. Hmm. Essential to life means if you had no cholesterol in the body, mm -hmm. you'd be dead <laughs> within seconds. Mm -hmm. Okay. Every single cell of your body whether that number is 50 trillion or 100 trillion, average person is somewhere in between there on number of cells. Every single cell has cholesterol, mm. okay? 25% of all your cholesterol is actually in your brain. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's about, you know, it's, this brain is a small fraction of your body based on weight, mm -hmm. maybe just a few percent, but 25% of all the cholesterol in your body is in your brain. Vitamin D. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, the, the hormone or mm -hmm. vitamin that we make being out in the sun, mm -hmm. we can get from food sources as well. Your body makes that from cholesterol. Mm -hmm. Your hormones, testosterone, progesterone, estrogen, are made from cholesterol. Mm -hmm. Your body uses cholesterol to help digest fats. So cholesterol is absolutely essential to life. Mm -hmm. But that's not what we're talking about. Oh, okay, we're talking right. about cholesterol-level drugs. Right. We're talking about drugs and a disease of people with high cholesterol, right? Mm -hmm. So that's typically... So I just want to set the stage that cholesterol is absolutely essential to mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. We're dead without it. But the number one prescribed drug in the United States is cholesterol-lowering drugs. So how does that make sense? No, to explain it. So... The reason someone, there's a, there's a theory of cholesterol as it's related to heart disease. Mm -hmm. And the theory basically says, and, and, it's based in, and it's based in some fact, that cholesterol, basically, imagine you have a tube going through your body, those are your arteries and veins. Mm -hmm. And cholesterol begins to build up on those arteries and veins, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay? Mostly on the arteries, but cholesterol builds up on the arteries. That can be potentially problematic for two reasons. The first reason is your arteries get too narrow and you can't get blood flow to where you need to go in your body. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Good. And the second way that can be problematic is if a piece of cholesterol falls off and then it goes through and then as the blood vessels get smaller and smaller and get stuck mm -hmm. and then you have a part of your body that doesn't get blood. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. That happens in your brain. Mm -hmm. It's called a stroke. Mm -hmm. it happens in your heart. It's called a heart attack. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's, the issue of, that's the issue of cholesterol. The problem with that line of thinking is it's not the whole story, mm. okay? And the reason I say that is because cholesterol in the arteries, you will find it build up. Uh, and that can be potentially problematic. But the question is, just like we asked with the blood brush pressure, why would the body raise blood pressure? The question is this, why would your body put cholesterol on our arteries? Mm. And you can say the body's dumb, or the body's smart. Well, I'm going to say the body's smart. Mm. It's infinitely intelligent. So why would the body do that? It would do that for the same reason you would put a patch on a pair of jeans. Mm. Something's okay. wrong. Right. Something's wrong. Mm. Yeah, so if you have a patch on a pair of jeans and all of a sudden the jeans got a hole in it, you put a patch on it. Mm -hmm. 
it makes it covers up the hole. Mm-hmm. But is the problem with those jeans the patch or the fact that they were ripped in the first place? And that's what cholesterol is. Mm-hmm. Cholesterol is what the body uses to put as a patch over arteries when they get inflamed and weak. Mm-hmm. And it uses that as a, kind of to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. But cholesterol is not the problem. Villainizing cholesterol is like villainizing the patch on the jeans. Mm-hmm. It's not the patch fault. It's not the patch's fault that that gene got ripped. Mm-hmm. It's not the cholesterol's fault that the arteries are weak in the first place. Mm. I'm assuming you're going to tell me that there are several causes for the weakness of the arteries or the ripping the genes, as it were, or is it the specific set that it, leads it, us to it that? It can be, but we can talk about some very specific yes, things somebody can do for it. Um, one, of the fir- one of the first things is, um, you know, you can... Just look at what causes inflammation in the arteries. Mm-hmm. You know, sugar is tremendously pro-inflammatory. Ouch, ouch. I love sugar. I love sugar. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure it loves you back, Neville. But uh, I can but, tell now. <laughs> um, but that is certainly that is mm. certainly one thing you can do. Mm. Um, the second thing is we can look at uh, omega-3 fatty acids, mm. so-called healthy fats that you find in fish, especially mm. deep-sea fishes. Um, those are tremendously anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. You can look at anti-inflammatory herbs, mm-hmm. things like ginger, mm-hmm. things like turmeric. Mm-hmm. Um, garlic has been shown to actually act like a roto-rooter, you know, like going into the pipes and cleaning them out like mm-hmm. you would. Well, that's what garlic can do inside mm-hmm. the arteries. Mm-hmm. It's actually been shown to go into the arteries and can help reverse atherosclerosis, excuse me, or reverse the buildup of um, cholesterol on the arteries. You know what else can do that? Well, exercise. Well, yeah. That's my field, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Right. That's uh, right up here. So exercise and cholesterol are two things that could actually go in there and reverse that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then foods high in vitamin C, specifically um, buckwheat, uh, mm-hmm. is actually one of the best things you can do to strengthen up blood vessels as well. So those are all things you can do. Now, did you say buckwheat or weed? Bu- buckwheat. Bu- and w- tell me what that Good. is. So, uh, buckwheat is actually has nothing to do with wheat other than it has the name in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a seed. Um, it is gluten-free. And it is very high in something called rutin. And rutin is a part of the vitamin C complex. And I'll tell you an interesting story about rutin. So Harvard University mm-hmm. studied 5,000 different molecules. Mm-hmm. These are drugs. These are foods. These are herbs. And they said, what would provide the most benefit um, for people who have blood clots? Mm -hmm. And there's basically two different kinds of blood clots in the bodies. There's blood clots that happen in arteries, and there's blood clots that happens in veins. Mm -hmm. And basically, the drugs usually either work on one or the other. Mm -hmm. Okay? So what they found is the single most important thing, the single most powerful thing to prevent blood clots in the body was buckwheat. And what they found was even more amazing was that it could work on clots in the arteries and work on clots in the veins. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the quote from the Harvard researchers that said, if we try to design a more perfect clot-busting molecule, we're not sure we could. But, t- but tell me, so buckwheat is something that I could go, let me just tell you, yeah. I grew up um, with buckwheat, but that seed is something that we played with. I, I've yeah. never known it as a food. So, yeah. t- so where and how and when do we use it? I don't, I'm not Good. sure so, that we... So in Japanese cooking, um, they make noodles out of it called mm-hmm. soba. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the United States, you can occasionally find it and make like buckwheat pancakes out of it. So you can make it um, 
So you can actually go in the store and buy buckwheat? Yep. And you can or you can buy it online. Oh, Absolutely. Can. And you can get some recipes. Buckwheat pancake is an easy way to do it. Mm -hmm. Or uh, real noodles from Japan soba that are actually made with, with buckwheat. And you can just consume it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually had a sister um, was just traveling. I got a text from her a few days ago. She's over in uh, Europe. And she had buckwheat pancakes over in, I think, Sweden. And sent me a picture of them. Uh -oh. So it is something you can find more, more easy outside the country. But... Um, depending on where you go in the world, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, it's tremendous, um, tremendous. You can also get rootin is also in apple, apples mm -hmm. and onions as well, mm -hmm. um, although lower doses than what you'd find in buckwheat. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just learned something new. Yeah. All right. So and you know just to talk about, so then you know the medical treatment is cholesterol lowering drugs. They're called mm -hmm. statin drugs. Um. But I don't think, and by I don't think, I mean, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> that the science isn't there to support cholesterol-lowering drugs. There was originally, there was original set of recommendations were, um, there was nine people on the committee, eight of them were paid by the drug companies. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. guess what they said? A lot of people need to be low on cholesterol-lowering drugs. About 10 years later, they did another committee. 50% of those people were paid by the drug companies as consultants, and they lowered the drug regulations again. Mm -hmm. The idea, medically, is that low cholesterol is better. Mm -hmm. Typically, the lower, the better. Mm -hmm. Right? The only problem is that's a lie. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example. There's, I was, I'm a chiropractor by training and a traditional naturopath, and um, my specialty going through school was, and when I was working in the clinic, was children with neurodevelopmental disorders. Mm -hmm. And I took care of a young boy, his name was Seth, um, with um, something called sensory processing disorder, but it's basically on, similar to an autism spectrum disorder. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things uh, in the care for him uh, that we did, and I actually wrote a research paper and published that on, on sort of the care plan we did for him, because it was pretty remarkable. At, he was a normally developing child. After about 18 months, um, he stopped developing. Um, he actually started regressing. He had a permanent rash on his body, would no longer speak to his parents, broke eye contact, um, wasn't able to go to the bathroom on his own, and um, was very irritable. Um, upset, angry, and just, it was a heartbreaking situation for the parents. Mm -hmm. It was their first child. Um, mm -hmm. So it was a long story on what we did, but how it relates to this is through my research, I found there's a rare genetic disorder um, where people don't make enough cholesterol. Mm -hmm. right? Most people have too much. There's a rare genetic disorder where people don't make enough. And what they found in studying these people is that when their cholesterol is below 100, right, mm -hmm. Your doctor may want it at 180 or 200 or 220, something like that. So it's about half that. They had a four times increased risk of autism. Mm. And that kind of makes sense because a little earlier we talked about 25% of the cholesterol is in your brain. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have enough, these, these patients were showing autism, autistic type symptoms. Mm. And then what they did is they gave them supplemental cholesterol, which mm -hmm. could be as simple as egg yolks, mm -hmm. right? But they were supplementing cholesterol and they found a partial remission of the autism spectrum disorder mm -hmm. just from making sure you have enough cholesterol. Mm. Okay? So it is and one of the main side effects of cholesterol-lowering drugs, number one side effect of cholesterol-lowering drugs is large muscle pain. Mm. So if anyone's out there taking it, if you have 
you know, large pain, if you have pains in your legs, typically it's number one sign of cholesterol-lowering drugs. Two is within five years, 50% of people will develop diabetes on the drug, or you're 50% increased risk of developing diabetes on the drug. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking the medication for five years, you're on your, on your way to di- diabetes, or it's statistically much more likely to get it. The third thing is memory problems. Um, mm-hmm. There's a big connection between um, cholesterol-lowering drugs and brain function. Um, but what's even worse is low cholesterol, people have lower cholesterol, mm-hmm below 180 actually have higher rates of death. Mm. I'm going to say that one more time. The lower, people with lower cholesterol have higher rates of death. And I'll give you an example. There was a study of about 54,000 people. It's actually about 110,000 people out of Sweden. 52,000 women had cholesterol levels over 270. Over 270. And we said doctors wanted 180 to 200, 220. Mm -hmm. They had a 30% lower risk of death Mm. than those under 193. Mm. So 270, you walk into any doctor in the United States, any medical doctor, they're going to say, that's way too high, you need to be on drugs. Well, guess what? They had a 30% lower risk of death than women under 193. Mm. Why? Well, maybe because cholesterol is involved in every cell of the body. Maybe because it makes vitamin D. Maybe because your, your cortisol, your testosterone, your estrogen, your progesterone are all made from vitamin D or all made from cholesterol. Maybe because you need cholesterol for a healthy brain. Maybe because cholesterol helps you digest fats, right? It's, it's not this thing in your body. Again, it's just the patch. Mm-hmm. The problem isn't the patch. The problem is the inflammation behind it. Mm-hmm. I'll give you another study out of UCLA. They showed low, people with low cholesterol under 129, which is very low, died twice as often as those with cholesterol at 223 or above. Mm-hmm. So two times increased risk of death from a low rate of cholesterol. So... I mean, that's a problem. And there's never been a study, never, as in hasn't happened, (laughs) never been a study to show cholesterol is effective in women. Mm. Never been a study that shows cholesterol has been effective in elderly people. Mm. It has been, the only group that's really been shown a decreased risk of death is, and there's one other study, the British Medical Journal, a little while ago did 60,000 people who had cholesterol-lowering drugs, and this was uh, before the statin drugs, but different drugs to lower your cholesterol, and 54,000 people did. So you got 110,000 people under, just over that in the study. And they found that the people who had lower the cholesterol-lowering treatments had a higher risk of death than those who didn't. Wow. wow. Yeah. Now, it seems, um, it seems that you're saying, actually, the big problem here is inflammation. Uh, you're exactly right. Very, very good point. The big problem is inflammation. When we're back, I'll address that topic with you. Can I? Absolutely. You are on the journey with yours truly, Neville D'Angelo. My guest is Dr. Jeff Crippen, founder of the Crippen Wellness Center. You're always welcome on the Journeys platform. That web address is thejourney.riosports.com. The journey is one word. Riosports is spelled R-Y-O-S-P-O-R-T-S. Thejourney.riosports.com. You'll find the most fascinating people, intriguing stories, and novel solutions for your own journey. Join us on the journey, the journey.
www.riosports.com Dr. Kriflin, you talked about inflammation. Yeah. That seems to be a big problem in our bodies. Where is it, what, why are we suffering from that so much? Because we're doing things to our bodies and ignoring the, the signs. Well, let, let's mention one. You mentioned sugar. Absolutely. We hear about that all the time. Yep. I'll tell you, um, uh, I like sh sugar. When I said sugar, I put sugar in my tea. I'm not a big, I don't want to give the impression that I run after sweet things. And maybe that's what people are, are talking about. But I do use sugar, even yeah. though brown sugar, in my tea. And um, I was watching at Serena Williams baking uh, the, the other day. And when she reached the sugar, she says, okay, that's not good. I'm not using that. And I'm like, I wish I could do that, but yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Tell me why is sugar bad for us? Well, you when say, it gives us energy, doesn't it? Yeah, so we'll get into that. That's a good point. But you, you, you say you, don't, you, you like sugar, but not a lot. Well, the average American eats between 120 and 150 pounds of sugar per year. Which is, I don't think I do that. Which is almost a half pound a day. <laughs> oh my good lord! Yeah, so it's a lot of sugar. Okay, right? so I'm doing good. Yes, yeah. yeah. So just to give you an idea, 100 years ago or 150 years ago, that might have been three or five pounds right. per year. Mm -hmm. Now we're doing that in a week. Oh, okay. Right. So it's really it's a dose that makes it's the poison mm -hmm. kind of makes the poison. So, but what what tell us what the dosage should be and and what's happening with the body that it starts breaking down. At whatever dosage that is. Yeah, so, so great. So basically having too much sugar in the body leads to inflammation. So what does that mean? Inflammation mm -hmm. is actually, it gets a bad name, right? Mm -hmm. It's like inflammation in the body isn't bad. Mm -hmm. Inflammation as an idea is actually part of the body's attempt to heal something. Mm -hmm. So inflammation is a good process if that makes sense. Because mm -hmm. it's the body's attempt to heal something, right? Imagine you cut your, cut your hand, which, you know, I did recently. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, as it heals up, the body will inflame. So what, what is that big? It'll, it means they'll get more blood flow to the area. Mm -hmm. It'll means there'll be more swelling, more fluid there. Mm -hmm. What that does is bring nutrient-rich parts of the blood to help heal the area. Mm -hmm. So inflammation is a good thing. When it becomes chronic inflammation, then you have a problem. Okay. But you have to look at what's chronically causing damage. Well, tell me about and that. that's, and that sugar is, is certainly a big thing for uh, that. What, what about the sugar that is doing the damage to us? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So basically, sugar is if you find, if you find, are you familiar with sugar cane? I'm very familiar with sugar cane. <laughs> Great, I thought you might be. <laughs> so when you find sugar cane, uh -huh. it's, you know, it's 90 plus percent fiber. It right. takes a while to chew. Yes. It has a lot of B vitamins in there. I it's love got it. zinc and manganese and magnesium and all kinds of minerals in there. Mm -hmm. You, I guarantee you, no matter how motivated you were, mm -hmm. you could not eat 150 pounds of sugar a year adding sugar cane. No, you can, but you would enjoy the sugar cane <laughs> a little bit than you do. Exactly, yeah. but you would enjoy a little bit because mm -hmm. that's it. Because mm -hmm. what happens when you eat sugar? Well, it's not totally bad in and of itself in the right dose. Um, I'm certainly not recommending anyone eat sugar, but. You know, when you eat sugar, you need a little extra fiber. It slows down the digestion. Instead of getting a quick spike of insulin, mm. or a quick spike of blood sugar, you get a more gradual one. Mm. And sugar depletes B vitamins in your body. It mm. depletes minerals in your body mm. because you need those to break it down and use it. Mm. Well, guess what? When you find it in sugar cane, guess what? 
the B vitamins are there, the minerals are there, mm. and the fiber's there. So it's in the processing of the sugar that we that we've we've taken away those things is that what? yeah that's exactly what i'm saying and then as you take away those things as you consume in your body it actually can deplete those nutrients you need mm -hmm. so without having the b vitamins without having the zinc mm -hmm. without having the precursors for insulin without having the other cofactors that you need mm -hmm. it can actually cause damage in the body because you're actually pulling nutrients out there because you're not consuming them with it mm -hmm. so when you eat sugar you need vitamins and minerals to help turn it into something good in your body mm -hmm. When you eat the refined sugar, 120 to 150 pounds per year, you're not getting that. Mm. And then you end up with inflammation, which is the body's attempt to heal from something it shouldn't be put up with, mm -hmm. which is way too much refined white stuff, which you can't find in nature. Got it. Yeah. We're talking a little bit about cholesterol. I know I shifted over into inflammation and sugar, but uh, can we continue with that? Yeah, so there is... So there is some benefit for a small group of people with cholesterol mm -hmm. numbers. In general, the old recommendation for cholesterol used to be 200 plus your age. Mm -hmm. So if you're 40, the old recommendation used to be 240. If you're 75, the old recommendation used to be 270. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about a recommendation, recommendation between 180 and 220, mm -hmm. right? So um, one is I typically, there's other things I look at other than total cholesterol number. And mm -hmm. we can talk about some of those blood tests if you'd like. Yes. But in general, yeah. Cholesterol is much ado about nothing, <laughs> if I could be sort of blunt about it. But the inflammation and the diet are definitely things we want to look at. Mm -hmm. So what could we look at? Mm -hmm. So how do we measure inflammation in the body? There's a couple things you can look at. The first one is called HSCRP. It stands for high-sensitive C-reactive protein. Okay. And it's an overall measure of inflammation in the body. Um, it's not super specific. But it's a great way to give you um, it's a great way to give you an overall marker of inflammation in the body. Mm -hmm. A second one is called homocysteine, mm -hmm. and any your your doctor, if you walk in with these tests, they're probably familiar with them. They should be familiar with them, and they, they can order those, or you can actually order them online as well yourselves. But homocysteine is another marker that'll give you an overall view of the inflammation going on in your body. Mm -hmm. There's actually something you can do. Cholesterol, total cholesterol level is not a good marker for heart disease. It's a very poor predictor, um, statistically, on who's gonna have a heart attack or who's not. Mm -hmm. But what is a much better predictor is the type of cholesterol you have. And most people think, oh, a good cholesterol, bad cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna say it's not that. But there's another test called an NMR profile test. And you can look at the type of cholesterol you have. So it'll say you either have large fluffy cholesterol mm -hmm. or small dense cholesterol large fluffy is a low risk mm -hmm. of heart attack small dense is more dangerous and can lead to inflammation so you can ask your doctor for an n nma profile test uh excuse me an nmr profile test so that's mm -hmm. another thing you can look at and then two things you can look at for we talked about sugar being a big part of this story mm -hmm. um, you can look at your fasting blood sugar mm -hmm. so Ideally, doc, medic, medically, they'll say between 80 and 99 is good. Mm -hmm. Between 100 and 119 is pre-diabetes, and over 120 is you're in diabetes. Ideally, you really want it in the lower end of that range, around 80, 85, up to 90. Pretty much under 84 is ideal for me. For your fasting blood sugar, that mm -hmm. gives you an idea of how well you're handling sugar in your body. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the final one is fasting insulin. 
which insulin is a hormone which is produced by the pancreas, mm -hmm. which helps regulate your blood sugar. And ideally, I like that one under five. And basically, with your fasting blood sugar, you find out how much sugar is in the blood. And with your fasting insulin, you find out how hard the pancreas has to work mm -hmm. to regulate that blood sugar. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you sort of get those two. So basically, with that, you can have a much more comprehensive view of your cardiovascular system in general, mm -hmm. the amount of inflammation you have, and then you can begin to make some specific changes in all of those tests, uh, certainly together, but most of them individually, are much more, um, are much better indicators of what's likely to cause, um, give you a much better picture of your cardiovascular risk than either one does by itself. And I'll give you just one example. Um, you know, homocysteine levels, um, most laboratory ranges are between about 4 and 15. You know, a wellness a wellness range would be under about seven. Mm -hmm. And they change a little bit for men and women. But if that number is over 15, your risk of heart disease goes up by 25%. Mm -hmm. So if you have a homocysteine level over 15, your risk of heart disease goes up 25%. So that is a, I mean, that's a strong correlation between that single test mm -hmm. and that, and even more strong than you see with a lot of cholesterol tests. What makes me come to a doctor and say, uh, with a fear that I have a cholesterol problem? So why might you go to your doctor and say, hey, I have a cholesterol issue? Right. Or that will never happen, is so it? So most people, the concern is actually of heart disease that runs in their family. Uh, that would be the concern that would take right. them to a doctor. Mm -hmm. And most doctors, as part of your yearly physical or whenever you go, mm -hmm. would pretty standardly run a cholesterol level test. Mm -hmm. What I'm suggesting you do is to get a more clear picture of your overall cardiovascular risk. Gotcha. Run these other tests as well. Mm -hmm. Because... All of them together, and most of them individually, are actually going to give you a, you a lot, a lot more information. And if your doctor understands them, they'll give your doctor a lot better information than than just simply a cholesterol number. So when he's looking, when he's when I'm doing my annual test, and he's telling me my cholesterol is good or what, do I assume that he's done all those checks or no? You assume he hasn't. He hasn't. Yeah. He wouldn't unless you ask him to, or depends, depends on the doctor. doctor. Depends on the doctor. Mm -hmm. I, I, the vast majority will not do those tests. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and if they Any tell you particular reason, is it the cost of doing the tests? Or? Yeah, uh, there's a little bit of cost to them, but mm -hmm. I don't think so. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just you're just a, not accustomed to if doing. If you're it. a hammer, everything looks like a nail, you know. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, that's sort of their training is mm -hmm. is set around that, and a lot of the medical idea of health is lower the cholesterol and. But the problem is that what I'm saying is cholesterol level is like a check engine light on your car. Mm -hmm. If you if you cover up the check engine light, you still got a problem with the engine. Right. Right. If you cover up, you know, if you take a cholesterol lowering drug, you've still got an inf you still got an issue with inflammation in the body, or you still got an issue with consuming too much sugar. Mm -hmm. Right. Unless we so the, rather than treat the cholesterol, let's find out what's underlying it. Okay. So it's a little bit convenience, a little bit lack of knowledge and there is a little bit on cost but I don't think that's the big issue okay anything else we should know well I think um, I think that would be that would be a really good good place to start and we talked about some 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 diet recommendations which mm -hmm. basically get towards whole foods <laughs> get away from we talked about buckwheat mm -hmm. we talked about garlic we talked about onions mm -hmm. we talked about apples mm -hmm. um, we talked about avoiding um, sugar and we talked about increasing our consumption of omega-3 fatty acids mm -hmm. uh, and those can be found in a variety of sources some vegetarian mm -hmm. also things like fish and you could find some in grass-fed um, meat as well mm -hmm. so increase your consumption of those 
um, and that will be a fantastic, fantastic um, effect. I'll leave you just with one stat. Cholesterol lowering drugs can lower your risk of heart disease in general by about 2%. Mm. So some benefit for some people some of the time, Mm. right? 2%. Moderate exercise, Mm. 27 to 41%. Okay, I'm with that. And Mm -hmm. diet, 75%. Yeah, so when we talk about what the benefit is, you know, we're talking about exercise is 20 20 times more powerful than a drug. Diet up to 30, 35 more times powerful. So, you know, depends on what you're willing to go, but you can get a lot more benefit and a lot more bang for your buck looking at diet and exercise in comparison to cholesterol-lowering drugs. Good news. Good news. Absolutely. The Journey is available free on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Rio Sports Radio, and several of your favorite internet platforms. Download, embed, and share via any of the social media you love. Thank you, Dr. Crippen. Your body is smart. In our next episode, we will be looking at how best to deal with stressors. <laughs> we will also ask the doctor for actionables to keep our body smart. See you next week.